Hi, and welcome to the Locked On Islanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Gil Martin. I'm an Islanders columnist and historian, and I wrote the book Ice Wars, which covers the complete history of the Islanders' rivalry with the New York Rangers from its origins in 1972 all the way to the modern era. We have got a lot to get to on today's show. First of all, we're going to put a bow on what is John Tavares' only appearance at the Islanders all season. Last year, he visited twice. This year, the Maple Leafs and Tavares will only appear either at the Coliseum or the Barclays Center once. It's over. It happened, as we all know, uh, on Wednesday night. And we're going to put a bow on that experience and just sort of wrap it all up and, and kind of finalize our thoughts about John Tavares. We will have the latest Islanders transactions and injury updates, and there is a lot to get to with regard to that. Of course, we'll have this date in Islanders history, and we will have a full preview of this weekend's game Saturday against the Philadelphia Flyers in Philadelphia. We'll break down that matchup for everybody, a big metropolitan division game for the New York Islanders. First off, let's talk about some injury updates and a transaction that took place today. The New York Islanders officially placed winger Andrew Ladd on waivers. Now, they're not trying to get rid of Ladd. What they are trying to do is get him a little bit more time in the AHL at Bridgeport to get back into NHL shape and condition. Ladd 33 years old, and Lou Lamorello earlier today told reporters that the reason that they're putting him on waivers is to extend his conditioning stint down in the AHL. Ladd has played five games so far with the Sound Tigers, and according to the coaching staff and to Lou Lamorello, he's just not quite ready. He's not quite in NHL game shape. And look, at this point, when you're on a 13-game point scoring streak. There's no need to rush Ladd back in the lineup. It is smarter to take the conservative approach, to let him go back to the AHL, play a few more games there after clearing waivers, which he is expected to do, and and then let him come back when he's ready. The team is doing very well right now uh, without Ladd in the lineup, he will certainly add something to the team if and when he's ready to come back. But if you rush him back and he's not playing well and he hurts the team, that certainly is not the outcome that the Islanders are looking for. So, look, Ladd has a high salary. He's coming off a serious injury. And at the age of 33, there probably won't be any takers uh, as far as claiming him off waivers is concerned. So the Islanders make this move. Ladd sent back down to Bridgeport as soon as he clears waivers. They'll do that officially, and they'll let him play a few more games in order to get ready to come back into the Islanders lineup. The key point here also, though, Ladd was advised of this before it happened, and he approved the idea and the plan. So it's not like he is upset or shocked by this. He's on board with it. And uh, it's not clear how long he's going to stay down in Bridgeport, but let him take as much time as he needs at this point, as long as the team is doing so well. Now, a little incident taking place at practice today. 
Josh Bailey took part in the first part of practice, but then experienced some soreness and did not finish practice. And apparently, uh, according to Barry Trotz, after practice today, there was some soreness that stemmed from an incident that took place in Wednesday's game against Toronto, and they removed him from practice for precautionary reasons only. As of right now, it is expected that Josh Bailey will be in the lineup on Saturday when the Islanders face the Philadelphia Flyers. So he felt a little soreness, and the team basically gave him the rest of practice off for maintenance and as a precaution. But of course, we will keep you up to date. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Isles, uh, and we will keep you up to date on this and all other things Islanders throughout the weekend and every day. By the way, one more important statistic from uh, Wednesday's game against the Maple Leafs. Austin Matthews, one of the most dangerous players in the game, held without a shot on goal by the Islanders. He had one assist in the game, was a plus one, but Matthews held without a shot on goal. Against Chicago on Sunday, Austin Matthews took 10 shots on goal. Uh, That's not at goal, that's on goal. The Islanders held him to exactly zero, and that is a great example of how well the Islanders played team defense. And let's face it, Wednesday's game was far from their finest defensive effort, although two of those goals did indeed come in the closing minutes. But just, you know, one of those things where the Islanders more or less determined that the best player on the Toronto Maple Leafs was not going to beat them. And at the end of the day, he didn't. Now, Matthews did a lot of other things well, but you know, one assist plus one, he won nine out of 11 faceoffs, but zero shots on goal by Austin Matthews. You shut down arguably one of the most talented scorers in the game, maybe the most talented. Uh, if you don't let him have any shots on goal, he can't beat you that way. And congratulations to the Islanders for being able to pull off that kind of performance defensively, even in a game when they weren't at their best. One other note from uh, Wednesday's game, by the way, uh, Damian Woody, the former uh, NFL player, uh, played spent some time in his career with the Jets. You know, he was on Twitter and, and he basically made an offhanded comment saying, hey, uh, New York has two of every sports team and they still all stink. Uh, well, some Islander fans answered him, said, hey, you know, we, we, we don't stink. Our team is pretty darn good. And the team got involved, invited Woody to the game. He was, you know, interviewed in between periods uh, on MSG Plus and did a pretty nice job of learning about hockey and, and seeing the enthusiasm and the, uh, the way Islander fans defended their team and support their team. And I think it was kind of infectious. And, you know, he was at the game waving a towel and just basically getting involved enthusiastically in the culture of the Islanders at the Nassau Veterans Memorial Coliseum. And that was great to see. And, you know, Islander fans could have been angry. The Islanders organization could have taken it as an insult. And instead, you know, they invited the guy to the game. He came, which was very big of him and and very good-natured of him. Seems like he enjoyed himself very much. 
and uh, he's learning a little bit about the Islanders and hockey and what a good team the 2019-2020 Islanders truly are. So that was a win-win and uh, uh, just a fun little piece in between uh, periods interview there on MSG Plus with Damian Woody. And uh, and like I said, good all the way around publicity-wise for the Islanders. Woody seemed to have a good time. The fans seemed encouraged. And uh, everybody wins. So nice job there by the Islanders organization and by Islanders fans sort of calling him out, but in a positive way and getting him to show up at the Coliseum for this game. We've got a lot more to talk about. We'll finalize the impact of John Tavares' lone appearance on Long Island this year and the fans' reaction to it. We'll have this date in Islanders history plus a full preview of Saturday's game against the Philadelphia Flyers in Philadelphia. We'll have all of that and more in just a moment. All right, so let's put a bow on John Tavares' only appearance in New York this year, or at least his only appearance visiting the Islanders. And, you know, the Islander fans, I thought maybe they would start to let go of some of the hurt, and they didn't, really. He was booed when he stepped onto the ice for warm-ups. He was more or less booed every time he touched the puck. Uh, When he was hit and knocked down at one point during the game, Islander fans got up and gave a, a big cheer. And I'll say this, the attention that John Tavares got, it was more playful and fun-spirited than malicious. Yes, there's hurt there. Yes, Islander fans are disappointed that he's gone. But, you know, chants like, we don't need you, and Barzi's better, you know, those are chants that are more playful than truly antagonistic. And, And I think the Islander fans more or less handled this one pretty well under the circumstances. And to his credit, so did John Tavares. Here are some of the quotes from Tavares after the game, and I think that they really put things into perspective. Here's a quote that he gave to Newsday. When I left, I never wished anybody anything poorly on anybody. I just made a decision that I thought was best for myself and my career. Great bunch of guys over there, and obviously really good hockey players who have done a great job in the time since I left. I think it's a credit to them staying with it, their work ethic, the type of people they are, and the type of hockey players they are. And, you know, he's also kind of getting used to being in Toronto. Let Look, let's face it. Yes, uh, New York is the media capital of the United States, and Toronto is the media capital of Canada, really. But the Islanders are not the team that the media centers on in sports, rightfully or wrongfully. And this year, maybe that'll change a little bit. But rightfully or wrongfully in Toronto, anything the captain of the Maple Leafs or the star player of the Maple Leafs does is under a lot more scrutiny from the media than anything that an Islanders player does. So, you know, that realistically is something that he has to get used to playing up in Toronto. And and I think over time, he is starting to do that and, and adjust to playing in the media capital of Canada, and in his hometown, which is not an easy thing to do. Meanwhile, his thoughts about, you know, Islander fans, and I thought this was also uh, an interesting and a good quote, uh, you know, whether or not he thought the fans, you know, what their reaction 
if it disappointed him. He said, no, not really. It's a very passionate fan base that loves their Islanders. I just try to go out there and play. I think I've said a lot about the impact playing here made on my life and how much I enjoyed it. So it is what it is. And, you know, John Tavares, credit to him, taking the high road uh, under the circumstances. And I think he really did enjoy his experience with the New York Islanders. And, you know, I've heard him talk in the past, and I've, I've interviewed him, you know, as part of a scrum a number of times, that, you know, he grew up here. When he arrived with the Islanders as the number one pick overall, he was 18 years old. And by the time he left, he was an adult. Now he has, uh, he and his wife are expecting their first child. So, you know, he really grew up on Long Island and he established a lot of really good relationships with both some of the players and the employees in the Islanders organization. He learned about the business side of hockey, most certainly, uh, which was a difficult thing at times. And he learned what it took to be a professional hockey player, the captain of a team, the face of a franchise. And in a lot of ways, I think that did help prepare John Tavares for what he now sees in Canada and with the Maple Leafs. And it also really helped the Islanders franchise because, you know, before John Tavares arrived on Long Island, this franchise was struggling. They did not have a star player in that sense. And during his close to a decade with the franchise, he gave them hope. He got them to the playoffs a few times. He got them their first series win since 1993. And I don't necessarily think, yes, the Islanders are doing better now uh, without John Tavares in their lineup. But if they didn't ever have John Tavares on their team, I'm not so sure they're able to get to 100 points, you know, more than 100 points last year quite as easily as they did. And I don't think that they're in as quite as good a position this season as they otherwise would be. I think this move to Toronto for John Tavares overall is a positive. I think for the Islanders, the fact that he moved on has largely been a positive. People had to step up. They knew they couldn't just let John Tavares take care of it, whether it was getting that big goal, making that big play, being the leader of the team, addressing the media, whatever it is, a lot of players realized, hey, you know, he's not going to do it all. I've got to step up and do it. I think, you know, obviously having Lou Lamorello and Barry Trotz were a big part of that. But I, I think John Tavares grew as a result of his time with the Islanders. And I think, quite honestly, the Islanders franchise grew as a result of having John Tavares here for nearly a decade. It was a win-win, and it helped prepare Tavares to move on and the Islanders to move on. And I think both sides are better off with things the way they are, uh, as you know, unusual as that sounds. So uh, I think everybody's handling this well. The fans, again, playful and, you know, definitely voicing their displeasure with the decision that Tavares made, but not malicious. You know, booing him, giving him the message that, you know, hey, we didn't like the way you handled this, but not getting personal, not getting vicious, and Tavares taking the high road in his interviews. Again, uh, definitely a win-win for both sides 
under the circumstances. All right, guys, let's talk about sex. Good sex. Remember the days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Just listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. Blue Chew gives you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis so you know that they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill so you can be ready anytime the need arises. I tried Blue Chew the other night, and I'll just say this. Wow. And my girlfriend agreed. Now, this isn't just for guys who can't perform. It's for any guy who wants extra function to enhance their performance in the bedroom. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package. So there's no in-person doctor visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. And they're made in the USA. And since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy too. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code MLB. You just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code MLB to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring this podcast. Okay, it's time for this date in Islanders history. Let's take you back to November 15th, 1983. The site, the Nassau Veterans Memorial Coliseum. The New York Islanders hosting the Hartford Whalers. And this was a game that the Islanders' top line absolutely dominated. Brian Trottier got the scoring underway just 35 seconds into the game giving the Islanders a 1-0 lead with his eighth goal of the season, the assist to Mike Bossy. But the Whalers came back. They tied it on a power play goal by Risto Siltanen midway through the first period. And then early in the second period, a power play goal by Chris Katsopoulos. His first of the year made it 2-1 Hartford. But the Islanders wouldn't let that lead stand for long. One minute, six seconds after that, it was Dennis Potvan scoring, and then five minutes later, Brian Trottier with his second goal of the game from Mike Bossy, and that gave the Islanders a 3-2 lead. They increased it to 4-2 on Bossy's first goal of the game, his 12th of the year from Trottier at 18-16. So the Islanders go into the second intermission with a 4-2 lead, but then goals by Richie Dunn and Ray Newfield tie the game five minutes and six seconds into the third period. It's all even at 4-4, but the Islanders weren't going to let that lead stand. Just 14 seconds after Newfield's goal, Bossy scores his second goal of the game from Trottier to give the Islanders a 5-4 lead, and then Bossy scores again less than a minute later to complete the hat trick and give the Islanders a final 6-4 victory in this game for the Islanders, Bossy, three goals, two assists. Trottier, two goals, three assists. They are uh, Bossy a plus four, Trottier a plus five. Greg Gilbert also had two helpers 
for the Islanders in this one. And the game-winning goalie, Kelly Rudy, who made 26 saves to earn the victory. So that's this date in Islanders history, November 15th, 1983. Cue up Brass Bonanza as the Islanders beat the Whalers 6-4 at the Coliseum. The next game on the Islanders' schedule, Saturday night, 7 o'clock start in Philadelphia against the Flyers. Islanders coming into this game 13-3-1, 27 points in 17 games. That places them second in the Metropolitan Division. The Flyers are in third. They are 10-5-3, which gives them 23 points in 18 games. So they're four points behind the Islanders, with the Islanders having a game in hand. Philadelphia, I'll tell you, the thing about them, they're a pretty solid team this season. And they are, I think, exceeding expectations overall. And the the way they're doing it, their defense is pretty, pretty good. They're in the top 10 in the league in goals against, and they are fifth in the league on the penalty kill. The goaltending duo, Carter Hart, and Brian Elliott, Hart 6-3, and three, with one shutout, a 2-5-3 goals against average, and a 9-0-4 save percentage. Elliott in seven starts, 4-2, and two, with a 2-8-8 goals against average, and a 9-10 save percentage. So, the Islanders, you know, have to be prepared, and their power play will be challenged, without a doubt by the penalty kill of the Philadelphia Flyers. And one guy you always have to look out for is Claude Giroux. He is such a dangerous player for the Flyers. He is their leader, their captain, and he does so much. He is teamed on that top line with James Van Riemsdyk and Joel Farabee. And that unit is a dangerous one. And it keeps the Flyers going. I mean, Giroux right now, 13 points in 18 games, but he is a plus six. And he is exceptionally good also in the face-off circle. So, you know, that's something that the Islanders have to be aware of without question. Oscar Lindblom also, uh, you know, tied for the team lead uh, in goals with eight and uh, another player that the Islanders have to be certainly aware of coming into this game. He's on the second line, along with uh, Sean Couturier uh, and uh, Travis Konecki. And and that line, Konecki, by the way, uh, also has eight goals and leads the team with 19 points. So, you know, this is a flyer team with some pretty good balance. Uh, and look, the third line features guys that like Kevin Hayes and, and Jakob Voracek, this is a team that, you know, can be dangerous. And the Islanders certainly have to be aware of the Flyers and, and, and what they're capable of doing. Matt Niskanen leading the the defense of the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, Ivan Provorov, tight teams with him. Shane Gostisbehere is on the second pairing with Justin Braun. Uh, and again, a solid overall unit and one of the teams that the Islanders are going to be fighting with for playoff position in the Metropolitan Division. And you know the way the playoffs work, it is also extremely possible that the Flyers could be a playoff opponent of the Islanders. So it's a great rivalry. You can go all the way back to the days of Bobby Clark and Bernie Perrant and Dave Schultz 
going up against Potvin and and uh, Chico Resch and Billy Smith and and all of those guys. Uh, the 1975 semifinal, the first time the Islanders and Flyers met in the playoffs, and that was a part of the Islanders' historic and great playoff run in which they did very well. They went down 3 nothing in that series against the defending Stanley Cup champions. Then the Islanders came back, won the next three, forced a seventh game, only to have Kate Smith sing God Bless America, and the Flyers end up winning Game 7, and going on to win their second straight Stanley Cup. But that playoff run really was when the Islanders announced to the hockey world that they were a team to be reckoned with. All right, as always, you are welcome to join the podcast. Send us your questions, your comments, or any topics that you want us to discuss. You can email us at LockedOnIslanders at gmail.com. Please leave your name and where you're from, and we'll be happy to read your question or comment on the air. So get in touch with us that way. We will be back Monday with another Locked On Islanders podcast. We will review and analyze this game against Philadelphia, and we'll have this date in Islanders history and a whole lot more as always. So make sure you join us then. Great to have you here on the Locked On Islanders podcast. I'm your host, Gil Martin. Thanks for listening to Locked On Islanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.